0: Hi, I'm Fred Burton. Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Boll, who is one of our Middle East and North Africa analysts. And Ryan, we're going to talk about the White House vision for peace, which is the Israeli-Palestinian peace plan. What is the big difference between this one and what we currently have in play?
1: So the last Arab-Israeli peace plan was the the Arab-backed 2000 plan. Uh, The idea of that plan was to have a Palestinian state inside of the West Bank and Gaza Strip, supposed to build on a previous peace plan from 1993, the Oslo process, which I know you've known some people who were involved in, in that prior peace plan. Process. Oh
0: yeah, I've worked a lot of the peace plans over the years, <laughs> especially
1: in the 90s. And so it's really easy for a lot of people to think, okay, this isn't a particularly different plan or it's just yet another one that's just come along like the others. Uh, but there are some substantial differences. Between what are this they? Point. So for example, uh, many of the peace plans up until this point had the notion of a Palestinian state inside of the pre-1967 borders between Israel and the Arab states. This peace plan really changes those borders. It allows Israel to have territory well inside of what we consider the West Bank. It moves some Palestinian territory to along the Egyptian border. It's really creative in the way that it decides to redraw those borders. So that's one big difference. Another big difference is that this one's no longer pretending that uh, Palestinian refugees who have been outside of those Palestinian territories since 1948 or 1967 are ever going to be able to return to Israel proper. Uh, that's something that's always been supposed to be negotiated with. This peace plan basically says they won't be coming back. Um, and one of the final big differences between this plan and previous plans, is that it also leaves out the Palestinians as a negotiating partner. This was negotiated between the U.S. and Israeli officials, and the Palestinians were sort of bystanders, and they're being told to accept it, uh, and that regardless of what they do, the Israelis will begin to implement it uh, on their timeline. What
0: has been the international reaction, or what do we anticipate coming out of that?
1: Well, uh, we've had some of the usual suspects, like Iran, Turkey uh, who have slammed the peace plan, called it something that they can never live by. Uh, other supranational organizations like the organization of Islamic conferences, the OIC, uh, and the Arab League have also condemned it. Um, but beyond the usual suspects, we've had a little bit of an interesting reaction from the Gulf Arab states. Um, some of whom are trying to reach out to the Israelis to build a new relationship with them. They want a relationship based on commercial interests, strategic interests, where they all have a mutual antagonist in Iran, uh, and some of it's for their own domestic interests. They want to de-emphasize the Palestinian issue as something that their populations are, are, are motivated by and care about. So they've been a little bit more muted in their reaction to this. Many of them have tried to find a way to say that they, they want some of the old peace plans still to be involved... But some of them, like the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, are showing a willingness to trade away Palestinian statehood in exchange for what they might think of as Palestinian rights. So there may not be a Palestinian country, but they want the Arabs living in those territories to still have political rights. That's a pretty big difference from what we've seen in the past.
0: It sure is. And other than that, what do we really anticipate that's going to change?
1: Well, this peace plan is giving the Israelis a pretty narrow window of opportunity with the Trump administration to go ahead and carry out a long of these Israeli nationalist uh, dreams to annex territory in the Jordan River Valley, which is the, the river valley between Jordan and, and the West Bank, um, <clears throat> within the largest settlements in the West Bank. Um, within some of the smaller settlements as well. It's really about giving the Israelis an opportunity to change the borders and make it very hard to change those borders back. So we do expect in the next few months uh, to see the Israelis starting to apply sovereignty to formally annex these territories and make them part of Israel the way they have with the Golan Heights uh, and East Jerusalem. So we really do expect this to change the map in a substantial way and for it to be very hard to change the map back. What have the Jordanians said about this? So the Jordanians are one of our usual suspects who have said this is a plan that they can't live with. But the Jordanians are stuck in uh, something of a strategic conundrum. They can't abandon the 1994 peace treaty, but what they can do is they can try to find new partners away from the United States and Israel that allows Jordan to have more flexibility in how they push back against the Israelis. They really don't want annexation. They really don't want their Palestinian population to come to believe that they'll never be able to return to the West Bank or back to Israel proper. So to do that, they're going to look for new partners who are going to help them deal with that imperative while at the same time making it so that they don't have to abandon the 1994 treaty. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you Fred.
0: For those of you who would like more information on our analysis concerning the new White House Peace plan, I would encourage you to visit stratford.com/subscribe and I'm Fred Burton and I'm Ryan Bull. Thanks for listening.